welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all things home ice disappointment, uh, letdowns, uh, weak caster goals, and uh, just overall uh, disappointment. The, the Mississippi River is flowing with the tears of Husky fandom after that weekend. Yeah, that was not pretty. I'll just put it at that. Put it that way. We're we're gonna have you know forty five minutes plus at least to talk about how not pretty it was. I'm Weldy sitting with Andrew. Uh, we're gonna recap uh, Minnesota Duluth, and you know normally we would preview next week, but uh, we don't know where we're gonna go or who we're gonna play. Well, we have kind of an idea who we're gonna play. Um, has the probability kind of makes itself known, but. Uh, up and we'll we'll keep everybody in suspense um, as far as that goes but we we don't know where so obviously that you know I'm not shedding any tears of that I even said last week that you know getting getting a week off isn't isn't terrible how we're getting a week off though is 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 my cause for concern because this is just more of the same and this is the same issues that are creeping up week after week after week against top competition. And it doesn't bode a lot of confidence here going into the NCAA tournament. I'm not going to be playing the excuse game here for St. Cloud because that was an ugly weekend all around. However, I mean, so Renak misses the weekend. He doesn't play all weekend. And we were stuck with Caster in net for both of those games. And as you said, did not did not play well. Um, so from the arrest standpoint, whatever, we don't know exactly what the issue was or non COVID illness. The illness was going through the locker room to the extent that Meyer also missed on Friday, which I think played an effect. So at least you get two weeks to get healthy in that regard. Uh, but that's the, that's the only excuse that I'm willing to even grant. And that still is not an excuse to, to lay the, to, to lose both games the way they did. I will say that, uh, my daycare, uh, last week over the last week was suspiciously light for kids having, you know, out with illness. So maybe it ravaged the whole team and everything is all as, uh, Davey Bowie would say, hunky dory. <laughs> uh, what are the odds of that? Uh, I'm, I mean, are you going to make the, or maybe you saw on, uh, on the Twitter machine, um, I'm sure there was a bunch of Michigan jokes being made. Like, why don't we just Michigan out, uh, this weekend? Oh, funny story. Not only did I make a Michigan joke on Twitter, uh, I tagged Mel Pearson in it and he blocked me. I think that means you finally arrived. Yeah, exactly. I I am I am no longer uh can follow the great uh mind of Mel Pearson as uh I'm sitting there uh blocked which uh after I tweeted that out with a shrug emoji cuz I'm like, well, oh, all right. I I thought he would be, you know, a little more busy this weekend, but yeah, a lot of other people were like, yeah, he blocked me too. So apparently he is uh, very sensitive when it comes to uh, matters. And uh, apparently he's one of those that are on, that's on Twitter probably more than he let, lets on. But yes, I did make the joke that we should Michigan out. And now it doesn't seem like that terrible of a strategy. Uh, and maybe we should 
uh, give kudos to Pearson for you know that extra that 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 extra level that extra mind game he was playing because it it clearly worked out for him. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, so that that certainly threw the team for the loop, and and that did not bode well for. I mean, we we gushed about Renak. I gave him the player of the weekend last weekend for the shutout on Saturday, and mm-hmm. and you know I've been tough on him over the years, um, but. Looked like he was riding the ship right before the most important stretch of the year. And to, to not be able to capitalize on that growing momentum is is frustrating. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that that's a big, I mean, if, if anything, it gives me much less confidence going into next year. It, uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but if, if Caster is the guy next year, my bearishness of Renek is going to pale in comparison to my thoughts on Caster. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know exactly where where to start. Do we start with the Friday game, which I think was one of the top three worst performances that the team has played this year? There's a lot of candidates for that. I'm not going to say it was the worst because uh, there's been some real. Like, pointers. are you talking when you say worse? Are you talking strictly gameplay or worse as in everything considering? I would say this is the worst as that was the worst game as you know how much that you and clawed back into getting home ice just to turn out that effort now was it worse than you know the collapse against denver or the beating that north dakota gave us no like those were worse played games mm. i thought but at the the, se- at, at, at the, the north dakota seven to one game i'd say is probably worse maybe the omaha series collectively was worse uh, i i would have put the denver game about above this um, they, yeah, I mean, it, they were, they were fortunate. I mean, it was about halfway through the game. I think about 10 minutes to go in the second period. They had a lead, which I, in retrospect is shocking to me because they weren't playing very well in the first half of the game. And then it just completely collapsed after that. Uh, and it's just that, you know, that third period. And of course, you know, Duluth is gonna, is gonna buckle down the defense and they're not gonna, uh, allow much in the third period, but third period is just listless and just, uh, they had given up. And that's that was really the the offensive thing for me was this team just packed it in and they had no business they had no desire to be there. Uh, I mean, there was a, a shot late in the game of the bench, and it's even like uh, Oliver. They're all just like sitting there moping, and it's it looks like a morgue. Uh, and 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 so and then even like Micheletti's like, yeah, I don't think they pull the goalie here. Right? I think Brett's just gonna. Yeah, you know, uh, get them ready for tomorrow. It's like they were down by three. Why, why the hell not? Uh, Harvard was down by three with less than five minutes to go. Pulled the goal. They tie the game. It's like, well, at least try. I mean, you're probably not going to win the game. Yeah. I mean, it's a very long shot, but what do you have to lose? I mean, you gave up six goals. They they were fortunate to wave the one off, but I thought that was a huge break for St. Cloud. Um, and so you gave you really gave up six goals to a team that's been offensively challenged pretty much all year the defense was completely terrible and they were undisciplined i mean donahue if he had a stomach bug i don't know what stomach bug he had that made him take two terrible penalties in back-to-back shifts but my god was he was he terrible and i'm glad to see that they benched him for saturday um but uh and i'd give brady zemer minutes over him uh, in, in the play in the NCAAs, um, I don't care if he's a fifth-year senior or if he leads a power play unit. 
I, I don't want to see any more of, of Donahue on the ice for St. Cloud. Um, so yeah, the Friday game was uh, a hot mess. And I think it's, yes, we can argue about if it's the worst game this year, but as you said, just the situation in which it happened, you get the home ice, it's in the playoffs to lay an egg like that is more it that makes it more uh disappointing than losing a seven to one game to North yeah. Dakota in late January. And, and, and again, it's how everything happened. Uh, like nothing was connecting for the Huskies. Everything seemed to be just on point for 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 Minnesota Duluth. And the other thing is that this is another game where, you know, Kobe Bender, four goals all season, pulls out a natural hat trick there in the second. And, you know, two goals, 30 seconds apart. I mean, you know, obviously, thanks to Donahue, I believe, on that one for, um, you know, that that uh, uh, that that penalty. But it was it was just like you're, you're letting Kobe Bender beat us. (laughs) <laughs> See, yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I thought you know Walker had that tip in, and I'm like, okay, you know, we're not playing great, but here, here's, here's where you know we can kind of get things rolling, and then everyone was just absent like the rest of the game, and it was so frustrating to watch. It was, it was utter domination by 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 Duluth on Friday, and. Nobody, nobody wanted to take the reins. Nobody wanted to step up for for St. Cloud, right? Yeah, and uh, I, I I don't know how they how they are able to uh, work out these problems in such a short period of time. Because as we said, these aren't problems that just sprung up over the last week or two or month or or whatnot. They they've been there from pretty much November, um, most of the season. Has we've seen these issues, and especially the defensive play. How many just turnovers couldn't break the puck out of themselves? Um, just simple gameplay. Their power play, I thought, sucked all weekend. Um, even though I think they had one, even two goals on it. But certainly on Saturday, it was a main reason that you weren't able to put Duluth away. I guess we can maybe shift into Saturday's game unless you had some more on Friday. Sa- Sa- Saturday, the only good power play was their one in overtime. Right. Yes. And that one had the most chances and didn't capitalize. And then those were just, I mean, you, you just let Duluth hang on yeah. and, you know, shifting over to Saturday's game, you let them hang on You're you, you got another multi-goal lead and you don't keep pressing. Like we kept pressing against Miami. Obviously I can't compare the talent level of the, those two teams, but yeah, you, you at least kept wanting to score. I mean, you had your good old fashioned doll stall yep. here going into the third, where all you did the whole period was chip the puck out of the zone. No one wanted to make a play. Nobody was like wanted to win. It looked like out there, and I hate using that as like they don't have any heart or passion because I know these guys care, but at the same time, play like you do and. It was so frustrating to watch this prevent defense. The only shot that we had all period, perfect score. And I thought that was the biggest goal all season at the time. That's what I tweeted out. This is the biggest goal all season because, you know, Duluth got some momentum. You countered it back. Finally, a leader stepped up 
And then just to continue this chip out and just do nothing, kind of hopefully the time runs out. No killer instinct in this team. And then, yeah, Duluth ends up winning a face-off, harmless shot from from out, ends up finding a way in. Game-winning goal was kind of the same way. Cates, harmless shot from way on out, ends up finding a way in. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I'm just at a loss with 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 how 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 this how this series went, especially with you know some good efforts over the last couple of weeks. And obviously, these are these you can't. I don't know. You're just you're just hearing it in my voice. It's just you know I have notes, and I can't even like as I'm talking. I'm just getting myself worked up again because it's just incredibly frustrating that that the team with so much expectations going in not only has a disappointing season and obviously it's not over yet but like is losing the way that they are that's what's killing me they're having leads in these games and they just run it down their leg it's so it's very predictable at this point like i, I saw the whole, the saturday game i just i could have written a script uh, I was like five minutes ahead of the game. I'm like, this is what's going to happen. First period, the Huskies are dominating. It's going to be one nothing game. They're not going to capitalize on the the several chance. Should have been three or four nothing after the first period, based on how well they were playing. And it's like, yep, here we go. Hell, hell of a hell of a first period by Fanti. Yeah, but it's like, here we go. Uh, they're they're gonna uh, you know keep uh, Duluth hanging around here by not capitalizing on their chances. Was it four power plays? Uh, uh, on Saturday, that uh, went by the wayside, and as we said, five, uh, uh, the four in regulation didn't. I don't know even know if they had a, got the a shot. The four that were terrible in regulation. Not yeah. sure if they even got then, a shot at any of those power plays. And then, as you said, um, I, I thought kind of a fortunate call to get the power play in overtime. Uh, and we're buzzing, but but of yeah, course, that was a bad call. Of course, not not that able to a- not able to because and so once uh, so it's two nothing after two and. I wasn't safe. I didn't think that was safe at all. And after the first goal scored, it's like, ah, here comes the implosion. And then it's uh, what our, our fa- favorite culprits here, Crannell taking a terrible penalty. That leads to the second, the first goal. And then uh, Brodzinski, another, I, think, I believe they're both of them were offensive zone penalties. And it's like, yeah, here's the tie game. And sure as, sure as you know what. Uh, it's tied up on that second power play. And then, yeah, pretty surprised that Perbix was able to pop that one in. Uh, but it's just a, it's, it's a countdown to when, when's it going to happen? And I texted another buddy uh, who's an RPI fan, who's even worse than us. He's been a, a long suffering RPI fan and they, they had quite the weekend of blown leads in their playoff series. And he's like, yep, yeah, it's happening again, blowing this one again. It's like, I, I'm, I'm waiting for, for St. Cloud to do the same thing here in the last five minutes. And it was about two minutes after that, that, that bleeder from the point, uh, uh, snuck in. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's, it, it, it wasn't, it was surprising how unsurprising it was. If that makes sense. Yeah. That, I mean, that's remarkable how, how well that fits <laughs> is <laughs> Mike Brodzinski uh, replied a little bit on Twitter too, who's uh, you know saying you know there's a criticism about Easton and the undisciplined penalties, and Mike Brodzinski wanted to make a note. When does your kid play? I'll make sure to show up so I so I can watch your kid play. And it's just like 
you're missing the point here. And, and, you know, obviously it's your kid. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna go to bat for them. But I mean, if he's supposed to be a leader, like, where is he in these situations? And you know where he is. He's in the penalty box. And just having that over and over again, it's the same script. It's, it, it, it's so frustrating to watch because we have so much talent. We've seen what this team can do and we just can't get everyone on the same page or, or whatnot. And everything just ends up crumbling. Um, you know, from, from the other side of it, obviously I thought uh, Friday was a great game by, by, by the, by the Bulldogs. And, you know, I said last podcast, how we, effectively negated Noah Cates and I thought he was just all over the ice this last weekend he was unbelievable it was you know you you show you saw the hunger that Noah Cates had um to to bounce back and it's just something that I haven't seen from this Huskies team and I'm just questioning whether or not we can get it and we're getting to the point right now is we got, you know, silver lining here. We got a little bit of rest. You know, we've had kind of an ugly stretch, a tough stretch, a lot of games in a short amount of time. You know, maybe this is just what we need to kind of do a little bit of a soft reset. But no matter what, in the last five minutes, I'm clutching onto my armrest, no matter what lead that we have in the game, because I don't trust this team. But also... It boils down to, can this team win four straight against top competition? And I don't think there's any chance of that. And I'm probably some of the most optimistic Husky fans. You know, I'm, I, you know, I was the one on Twitter saying 15 out of 16 teams don't win the national championship. So there's a 94% chance that you're right. And, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I know Husky fans love going into the underdog, the underdog role, and we're gonna be the underdog uh, here. So I guess you get your get you get your wish there. But I just my faith in this team has been incredibly strained, and it's 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 gonna be it's it it's gonna be a nerve wracking game whenever or wherever we play uh, in, in a couple weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about the season at large, and uh, I don't know about disappointing. The word I keep coming back to is frustrating. Uh, maybe there's not a big difference between those two. Disappointing, that entails expectations coming into the season. And I, I'm beating myself up because I am the king of sour grapesing the NCAA tournament. And I, I, I didn't listen to my own message. Because I re- I do think last year's run was a fluke. Um, I don't put too much stock into it. I I didn't think that. I am coming around to your way of thinking, though. I am I am I am starting to. Everything now is pointing to the fact that yes, it was a fluke in COVID. But we all come into the season I'm saying national runner up, and we got the whole gang back. Basically, you know, it's just we're we're just gonna coast into the frozen four again and just the same as it's random that they lost to AIC and Air Force and 
don't discount those seasons, even though they, they, those hurt and they still hurt. That's a part of the reason that I'm getting to the point where I'm angry about this team as far as they, they owe me a, a couple here because of the three choke jobs uh, as number one seeds. Um, but even those, like I, I'll take the full season, the full 38 games before you got to the disaster as that's a much larger sample size to, to, to realize that this, this program was on the right track and is in good hands and, and is, is, is a quality, high quality program. But I need to, you need to do the same thing when things that, when the roulette wheel spins go your way as they did last year. And so I needed to more fully assess because I, I mean, I think I lo- felt a little bit better going into the tournament last year, but let's remember we were not too far away this time last year from that CC debacle in Grand Forks. Where I mean, they did not look good there, and sure got off the bat and beat Duluth, and then gave North Dakota a decent run uh, at, in the title game, the conference title game. But I, if you were to told me last year that that's a national runner-up team, I I would have been. So I remember at the beginning of the year thinking I I was texting my brother at the beginning of that year and saying you now about how they was going to be in the pod, the first ten games or whatever it was, and. And St. Cloud had been coming off a, a disappointing 2019-2020 season where they didn't make the playoffs and were an under 500 team. And I t- joked to him and I said, you know, who knows what's going on with all you know, no fans and different format pod situation and, and all that. And I'm like, here, that's, this, is the, this is the year that St. Cloud will win it all, you know, and they almost did. But yeah, coming into the year, I didn't think they were going to be anywhere close to second place in the conference and then second place overall in the national tournament. Uh, this has just reinforced my previous stance of the NCAA tournament is just not, that's not a good data point to base expectations on. Um, and same, I, I would say, and we've been talking about my frustrations with pairwise and stuff like this. I would say that St. Cloud does not deserve to be in the in the in the tournament. They're going to make the tournament. They're 100% going to be in the tournament and they're going to be a 3 seed. They're 18 14 and 4. Here's my here's my soapbox this week. You know, we talked about the Wisconsin rule um which it was put into place as we mentioned after they finished under 500. I forgot this by the way. That season 2008 St. Cloud beat them in the playoffs, first round of the playoffs, to knock them under 500. Uh, and I forgot this. Not only did they get into the tournament as an at-large team and when they are under 500, not only did they get that, but they got a three seed. Not only that, they got to play a conference opponent in the first round, Denver, because there was five WCHA teams in the tournament. Not only that, they got a home game because that regional was at Madison, at the Cole Center. And they beat Denver. <laughs> I did not. I, I totally forgot that. And they then they played North Dakota in the regional final. They had a 2 nothing lead going in the third period and lost, I think, in overtime. Uh, so they could have made the Frozen Four as a 500 team. But North Dakota ended up, ended up beating them. But anyway, so they, they were under 500. And after that, and made the tournament as an at-large. And after that year... They put the NCAA put the rule in that you have to be at least 500 to make the tournament as an at-large team. Now we have not ever had to apply that rule in the what 14 years since then. So it's a rule that hasn't needed to be used because it is a fairly 
rare situation that you're going to make the top 15 as an at-large under 500. I think we need to expand that to say you need to be you need to win at more than 50% of your games. Right now 18 14 and 4 so they played 36 games. They've won half of them. I don't think that's enough to to qualify as an at-large team. So I think you need to win at least 51% of your games to make it as an at-large. If you're under 500 or you don't make you don't make that uh you don't meet that qualification but you win the conference tournament then yeah, you're in. But you need to uh, you need to win at least in this case you would have needed to win 19 games out of 36 in order to make it to the tournament because I, I don't I don't like uh, I don't like um, awarding teams uh, that are barely above 500 with at large um, consideration or an at large berth in the tournament uh, and so I'll, I think for a lot of and again it is a roulette wheel. They go into the tournament and they go on a run here. They make a frozen four, which could happen. Basically like throwing dice. Uh, then a lot of people, I think, I think people saying just them making the tournament seasons to success. I don't like that narrative for this, for this team. And, and just in general, if, if a team like this plays like this over a six month course of six month season, I, I just don't, I, I don't see that as championship level. And we're playing it for the NCAA championship, playing the best and putting the trying to put the best teams in the field uh, in the tournament. Uh, this this does not strike me as a tournament quality team. And I know the only reason that they're getting in is strength of schedule, which I think is another big big uh, minus when it comes to pairwise. Uh, we are, I think a lot of people are quick to point out weak schedules, so people will be like, you know. Quinnipiac, they haven't played anyone, and Mankato, they haven't played. Any, they play in a weak conference. I think it's easy for people to to point out when a team has a gaudy record and they play in a bad division or bad conference. But the, no one really points out the flip side: is that St. Cloud has been benefited, I would say, twice in the NCHC era this year, and then also the 2014-15 season, which they finished sixth and then made the tournament as an at-large team, they are benefited by the fact that they play in a very tough conference and that they're, every year their strength of schedule is going to be one, two, in the top five. This year, I think it's number two. Well, that's why the and, NCHC was created. And Duluth is number one. I mean, that, that was the whole mindset. You know, they want to say like-minded schools get together, but no, they wanted to have always the competition there of schools, yes, that take hockey as a priority, but that are traditionally going to be, you know, kind of a powerhouse or, you know, have the motivation to, to stay at that level to get that strength of sexual schedule to, yes, benefit from the pairwise and how the pairwise is structured. Yeah, and I think it's gaming the system of pairwise. And I think it's, I, I don't like it. Uh, you can, yeah, you can still make the tournament as long as you win over half your games. I don't think that's too much of a, ask um like you said last week about uh you know i would say not playing series in like the the ccha semifinals and finals not and playing just the one game and you're like well if we play the series you know any sort of argument against that just win the games win the games in in, in st cloud's case win win a couple more games i, I realize that that this 
thing that I'm uh, suggesting is not going to happen, first of all. Um, and secondly, there's downsides to it. Um, that encourages teams to play weaker schedules, I would say. Exactly. Um, but the system as we have now, you are almost benefited by like losing, like getting swept by Denver. Doesn't hurt you that much because it jacks up your strength of schedule. Rather, so it's almost like winning two games against a middling team is worse than losing two games against a very high team. And that, to me, I don't think we should be rewarding losses and non-wins, ties as well. Uh, win games. That's the whole point of sports and hockey. Win games. And Well, you know, figure skating is actually kind of going through the same type of thing right now whereas you know you're you're creating all of these jumping machines to where now only thing that matters is how many quads you can do in in a routine where it used to be you know it's it's your jumps it's your artistry it's everything now it's you know you if you cleanly land a triple that is less points than if you fall on a quad so it, it i, I kind of see that as you know the same type of scenario as what you're talking about now obviously the pairwise is the pairwise and it is what it is and you know college hockey has really hitched his wagon to it now what would you propose is it just that you have to win more than you lose and tie or are you looking for more subjectivity would you like want and go back to a committee would you like to use bearwise as a guide and then a committee comes in with human yeah, I, don't, I don't mind that error i mean or, it's the only sport that or it's the only sport that is so or do you go back or where do you would you go back to the pairwise rating differently when you know the last couple of series of the season where you know you you know yeah. if a team gets hot that means more than at the beginning of the season because you're a different team at that point where where would you where would you fall in this? Yeah, I just I, I it's the only sport that is bound to this to the extent that college hockey is. It's the only NCAA sport that uses a computer formula to and rigidly uses that to spit out its teams for the tournament. And basketball doesn't do this. Basketball has RPI. I mean, RPI exists for. I mean, I don't follow a lot of the other sports, college sports, but I know basketball uses it, but they don't use it as a hard and fast. This is what the cut up, cut line is. And if you're point one zero 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 one below that, then well, you're, you're done. I, I, I would say to use it as a guide. Another one right now, uh, right now we have Mankato number one and Michigan number two, and they're separated by, you know, uh, a hair. They played this year. It, on neutral on neutral ice, they played in the the icebreaker in Duluth, and Michigan beat them. I if the season ended today, which there still is the title games next weekend, so maybe this will sort itself out. But in that case, if the season ended today, I would give Michigan the number one seed overall rather than Mankato. Which instead of making <laughs> we can make St. Cloud State chokes here, but I think the the jump from getting the number one overall and playing Atlantic. Or playing the lowest, uh, the lowest seeded team, sometimes is quite a advantage uh, than the number two overall seed. So that's another example of if the if there's if there's very little 
gap in between a pair of teams, you can use a little bit of subjectivity as far as head to head or, or, I mean, the, the pairwise doesn't, the pairwise does, or the RPI, neither of these things, they don't account for, uh, margin of victory, you know, how impressive victories are, doesn't, doesn't, um, account for if, if you're playing a team that is heavily injured at the time, uh, that could, you know, look really good. But if you actually read the game, the game summary and their star, their, the other team's star player was out, you know, that, that shouldn't count as much as it does now. So the computer just kind of takes the, the result and that's all that matters in, in the formula. I think we're getting a little bit off track here. I, I'm just I, I, my main point here is we don't have a game to preview I, that's, next that's week. True. <laughs> that's, that's we are getting yeah, we are let's, getting into let's, let's go any track we want to yeah, go down. We're go, and we're going into the NCAA's. You know, by this time the next show, we'll be we will know the field and we'll know the brackets. So I guess we're getting to that time. But yeah, I've said it before on an earlier podcast this year that I don't. It's this technocratic approach of we have to follow whatever the computer says i i don't know exactly why we we shifted there um and i i don't see that as being necessarily the and cratch is the same thing i don't think cratch is perfect either let's just get off the no and i think that yeah i think people would say it's the smoke-filled rooms and they're going to give the big schools the name brand schools the benefit of the doubt and they're going to give them all the breaks and they're going to screw the little guys when it comes to selection if we don't use the computer which probably was true in 1993 um but i thought last year when they went off of pairwise they weren't again they were more using it as a guide because there wasn't hardly any non-conference games it was beneficial to look at it from two teams in the same conference for instance but comparing teams cross conference you really couldn't use the pairwise last year but i almost thought that especially like them taking Omaha over Denver shows to me that the committee knows that it will be accused of favoring the powerhouse traditional powers if they were to do something like take Denver over Omaha. So I think that almost played into Omaha's hands positively for them getting into the tournament that, hey, we'll put them in the tournament because we're going to avoid being called we're 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 giving a sop to Denver, uh, or any other team. I I don't even think uh, Omaha should have made it or Denver. I think they should have given it to like Bowling Green. I think had a better resume. But again, we're getting off track again. Bowling Green tweeted out their resume too. Really? I, I, oh, that was that was yeah that was well, a good actually, joke. Bowling Green tweeted out like this is why like it was, it was their NCAA and it got spoofed so many times on Twitter. It was pretty funny. But I mean, they they did have an argument. As I well, actually think they sh- they should have you know. they should have made it rather than Bemidji. Um, but that's another because I, I don't think you would have had you should have had four WCHA teams in the field. Uh, but again, we're we're getting off track a little bit here. Yeah, I just I, I don't think we should. Hmm. Bemidji ended up beating Wisconsin, so right. Uh, and this this plays into my I don't think St. Cloud would make it. So if if you're gonna, if you're, if you are gonna apply my rule, which again I don't think is gonna happen, uh, and so you you take the next team under, you know, the first team out, you would just replace them for Saint Cloud in, in in the tournament. You'd make you'd put put everyone up so that whoever is the newest team in would be a four seed, and whoever in the previous 
calculation would have been the the first, the top four seed. They would have moved up to the three seed and win. You just move everybody up a slot. I'm the parody of hockey and hockey in general, the, the nature of hockey where a team like St. Thomas can come within five minutes of beating uh, Mankato last week. I, I mean, if you allow, if you allowed a 20th in pairwise team in the tournament as an at large, give it three or four years, they'll win a national title. I, I'm sure of it. So, I mean, that sort of block of teams from 15 to 20, very little separates them from 10 to 15, I think. And so, uh, I don't think you're going to, you're going to screw with integrity of the bracket too much in that regard. Uh, and, yeah, it's just it's again. It comes back to it's a broken system, and I'm just trying. I'm trying to find well, ways to to tweak the system. And let's just get back to my first point: is I don't think Saint Cloud deserves to be in the tournament. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I want to quick go back to the pairwise about how my theory that it's not going to change is because everyone or the coaches, especially, they like the transparency. That is they, a, they don't yes. like being a will they or won't they. It's always going to be yes, we will, or no, we won't. Like, Brett Larson knows that he is practicing this week, and they are going to prepare for uh, wherever they end up going for the NCAA tournament. Whereas, you didn't have that if you if you have this, you know, will they, won't they, you know, what are the committee going to say? If Andrew's on the committee, he's definitely going to going to end up taking another team instead of St. Cloud State and whatnot. So the, I think that's kind of the major reason why is because they like that. And I think overall the fans like the transparency of it as well. Now, if it's definitely flawed. And I I do agree that I wouldn't mind some subjectivity um, when, it, when it comes to that. But it's... You know, that's I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I mean, I think I generally agree that the transparency aspect is good, but you could also take that as a negative as far as maybe St. Cloud phoned it in this weekend because they knew they were 100 percent to make it in the tournament. If they didn't know if it was not a transparent system, maybe they're like, hey, or it's something like we have to impress a committee and get it and rack up as many impressive wins as we can. Losing in two straight games at home in a playoff series doesn't look very good. Maybe they would have stepped up their play. And maybe the transparency there enables teams to sort of, play. it doesn't really matter. We'll still get them in two weeks. So I think there's 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 always trade-offs. There's trade-offs in everything. Yeah. And so, and, and, and nothing is going to be so, perfect. Then to answer your question about whether I think St. Cloud is uh, NCAA tournament worthy team yes because they're 10th in the pairwise and that's the rules that we have (laughs) so so yes um but you know the problem with the you know other side of it uh, about you know is do i think that they're now now you know no joking aside you asked me that question are they i don't know and the reason i don't know is because i don't know how much better they are than clarkson providence boston you know, Miramac, you know, I mean, you could make a case that Miramac, you know, definitely should be in the tournament over St. Cloud State right now. I've never seen them play. And that's where, you know, you know, is there just, you know, the committee going to be watching all these games to defend to to know where in the eye test of whether or not, you know, X team is better than X team or is worthy to get in 
you know, it's 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 tough to say. And and that's where that's why I think that everything is just kind of goes back to the pairwise where hockey is a unique sport in many different ways. And one of it is just that upsets can happen more frequently in this sport than any other sport, you know, and that's where to me, that's like an argument argument to get rid of the rigidity. I mean, I, I don't know. I think the I think the best argument to to get rid of it would be. You know, just how looking at the RPI about, you know, how close those teams are of being on the bubble and being off, you know, and, and, and the comparisons and whatnot. So it's, I, I, I don't know, but, you know, it goes to that, yes, they're going to be in the tournament. Yes, we've got a chance to, to make a run. I think this team is capable of making, I think they've got the talent to make a run. Do they have the the tenacity, or do they have the the execution to make a run? That's what I'm questioning. Do they have the leadership to make a run? You know, I I can't count that Donahue isn't going to make a dumb play. I can't count that Brodzinski won't take a dumb penalty, and I can't count on Rennick making the big save that he needs to or coming up with the big flurry of saves that he needs to. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously, I don't know. It's kind of weird for, for where I'm at right now going into the NCAA tournament, because I don't think anything would surprise me about, you know, I, I, it wouldn't be surprising to me if the Huskies turned it on and win four rip. And it wouldn't be surprising if they're up three nothing with two minutes to go and they lose in regulation, you know. So it's 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 just at this time it's like the season this team is what they are. So it's just let's let's just play the games and see what happens. And it kind of sucks being in this position. It especially you know with how how last season ended and you know how much hype we had going into this season that 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 it's come down to this but it's kind of like you know we're in the tournament we've got a chance that's that that's really the best this team can do yeah that's that's showed that yeah and, and don't get me wrong i mean i i will be watching uh that first game in the tournament and 11 a.m probably yeah, at... <laughs> it'll be older for me because of the time change um but uh oh, biting yeah, my fingernails too. through the entire thing Either that or throwing things around like I'm like halfway through the first period when they're down by four. Um, what's, you know, and the last time I should. That's what I would prefer, actually. Like when we lost to Minnesota, what was it? Three nothing when it was, you know, the Johnny and Michael went uh, um, against each other. Was, no, it was at least four nothing, if not five nothing. The regional final. Yeah, yeah, it was either four or five nothing. It was. Well, it was, and I wanted to bring that year up. I prefer that because that was like a strangulation of like, there's no chance we're going to win this game. Like, I would prefer that than being up. Well, I was going to bring anything. I was going to bring that year up. Third, I was going to bring that year up, 2014, because that's the last time that the Huskies are going to make the tournament without making the Frozen Faceoff. Do you remember that year, which was the first year of the NCHC? They lost to uh, Miami. in the one eight series 
St. Cloud lost that series, and so they didn't play that first uh, frozen face-off at the Target Center, but then came back. That was uh, Gravel. 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 Was that Gravel's point one second goal to force overtime? But then they lost in the in the overtime. Got swept to to Miami. Uh, But so then they had a week off in between, and they won that first game against Notre Dame, uh, two overtime game, which really kind of got. I'm sure. I mean, Motsko didn't uh, come up with his uh, day off in between regionals just last year. Uh, that was another one where we had to play the late game uh, and then come back the next day uh, playing, after playing a two-overtime game and then just got smoked by the Gophers in that regional final. I'm sure that was one of his first uh, inklings of we need a day off in between. Um, but similar to that year, they ended up getting Notre Dame in the uh, in the regional uh, that year and ended up beating Notre Dame, as I mentioned, things you know that was nicked out overtime. You can still hear the ping of, of the of the yep. crossbar. Uh, were you there? I was. Nope. Uh, and so, and history might be able to repeat itself. One thing that's interesting about this year is how little. I, I think we kind of know what I, we have a very good picture of what St. Cloud's opponent, of what their regional uh, situation is going to be like. I would say it's almost 100% that... Not where, but whom. But yep. from where, I would say it's almost 100% it's going to be east. It, it's not going to be Denver. So it's going to be somewhere out east. And it's yep. either going to be Albany, what do we got, Albany, Al- uh, Allentown, and is it Wooster? Yeah. I think Wooster, yeah. So it's going to be somewhere out east because I don't see them playing Denver. Uh, going to Loveland. I would assume, I mean, North Dakota, North Dakota is either going to, I think they're either going to get in Minnesota or Denver's regional. I think they're going to, they're going to put those, they want a rivalry game. I think, uh, set up a rivalry game in the regional I think North Dakota is going to have a tough run, uh, in the NCAAs, but I would say it's more than likely they're going to be in uh, out East. And as far as the uh, seeding goes, so St. Cloud, as we've talked about earlier, before the show, being Weldy talked about, St. Cloud looks to be locked into a number three seed. According to the CHN probability matrix, they're either going to hashtag not sponsored. They're either going to be nine, 10 or 11 seed. And most likely that 10th seed is, which is what they're at right now. They can't. 80% 80% 10. Yeah. And the yeah. other possibilities are also in three band. So they're not going to get a two seed. And, and really the, the difference between a two and a three is, isn't much either. So they're going to be that three seed. And as it stands now, uh, in the two seed band, you have two NCHC teams, Western Michigan and North Dakota at five and six. Now, with five teams from the NCHC, they're going to be making the tournament. All five of these teams are 100% locks to make the tournament at this point. With five teams in the NCHC, there is that possibility of they could set up a first-round matchup in the, in the regional with a conference foe, but they really don't like to do that. They haven't done that in a long time. Um, like I said, that Wisconsin year where they ended up hosting Denver in the first round, I think it's happened since then, but very rarely. So, and it doesn't look like they would need to do that. If if it was the case this year, they could avoid first round matchups fairly easily. Just by they would do that just by going chalk 
five, five, ten, or five, twelve, six, eleven, seven, ten, and eight, nine. But I think that it's most likely it's between two teams that St. Cloud's going to play in the tournament in the first round, and it's either going to be Quinnipiac or Notre Dame. Uh, and I would put my money on Quinnipiac being the most likely team that they're going to play. Uh, Quinnipiac is uh they've locked they've locked their position in they're going to make it as an at large or if they win the ECAC but because the ECAC is kind of weak this year they're not going to really move much from 7 they can't ma- they can't make a 1 seed and i don't believe they can slide down to a 3 so they're basically locked into a 2 they're locked into a Notre- two. they can go 6 7 or 8 Notre Dame they're done for the regular season they lost to Michigan so they're I mean, they could move one or two spots. Do you have the matrix up? Um, yes. So they're most likely going to be a two seed. Looks like they, yeah, they could slide down to nine, thirty-six percent, or two percent chance of ten. But they're going to be right in that same sort of area that St. Cloud's in. That's why, I mean, because they have a little bit more variability. That's why I give the chance of them facing Quinnipiac uh, the, the the highest odds for St. Cloud. And and if, you know, since, like you said, Notre Dame can't play, Minnesota Duluth, who's at nine right now, does have a game. Yep. You know, they win that game. You know, that moves them up to a two. Then you have, you know, Western North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth in the two band, which solidifies that we're playing Quinnipiac. Right. You wouldn't have any, any, for the, any, other, for, cha- any other choice. Duluth right now. Now see, there's obviously the chance that Western Michigan and North Dakota move up to one as well. Yeah, I would say there's a very, nice. very small chance, almost like I would say under like point one percent. If like one of these NCHC teams bumps and then Minnesota loses, and then either Dakota or, or Western Michigan wins the NCHC tournament and bumps up into the one band, then you might have Minnesota at five, but. Even then, unlikely that I think they would play Minnesota. It's a small chance. Um, I, I mean, I would love it. If all of these three teams that I mentioned, Quinnipiac, Notre Dame, or Minnesota, I'd rather play Minnesota. Uh, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, beca- because I think at that point, that's one less NCAC team in that, in that two-seed band. And just from bracket integrity, I think Minnesota would get one of the lower three seeds, either Lowell or a Tech or a UMass. UMass, I thought maybe they would be able to hop St. Cloud if they win the uh, Hockey East, but they are maxed out at the nine seed, according to the Matrix. And they can bump. They're not They're not 100% yet. They're not 99, but they could slide out of the tournament. Very low possibility of that, but looks like they're capped at nine, which means they can't get... That would take... They can't get... That would take what three upsets? Yeah, I would. Yeah, which is most of them. Yeah, it's a very long shot. But but the main thing there is UMass can't get up to a two seed, so they're going to be a three or a four, most likely a three. So you're not going to be able to match up with them. It's really looking like Quinnipiac. It's really looking like them, or if that a smaller chance that Notre Dame uh, is their opponent, but I I'm looking at Quinnipiac as being the, the most likely, uh, candidate. Probably they would put that in Albany, I'm guessing, which I wouldn't mind that because St. Cloud did well in Albany last year, but, um, I don't like that matchup at all from St. Cloud's perspective, a, a defense first team with a killer goalie. Uh, I mean, just look at how they played against Duluth this year. 
one one win. I was going to say that sounds a lot like last week. One weekend. win in six <laughs> games against Duluth, and four of those games being at home. Uh, I, I don't. But hey, again, it's it's the roulette wheel that is the NCAA tournament. I could, I really wouldn't be shocked if I turned it on, and within the first five minutes, St. Cloud had a three nothing lead. I don't see that happening. Just in time for them just, to blow just it. Just in <laughs> plenty of time for them to blow it. Um, but I, yeah, I don't love that matchup. We'll be able to know next week what that matchup actually is, but just, it's interesting because I don't feel like this has been possible in years past where you can really pinpoint down to one or two teams who you're going to play. Uh, it seems like there was more movement available, uh, in years past, but it's pretty much, it's pretty much set as far as maybe the seedings aren't set. And certainly where they're playing, which exact regional is not set. Uh, but I'm looking at Quinnipiac and it's it's probably going to be somewhere out east. So from that perspective, it doesn't really give me much hope. But let's let's wait until we actually get what the what the official matchup is until we until we completely, uh, you know, hedge all of our bets. But uh, that's just kind of giving you the, the, the picture of uh, you know, how it's looking right now. And yeah, St. Cloud with that week off, at least we can we can guarantee, hopefully, that whatever ailed Renak and some of the other players as well has passed by that point. I'm pretty certain about that. They got a lot to work on. I mean, they, they, they won't have uh, they won't yeah. have areas of you know practice uh, you know practice topics. They won't be running out of those as far as we can touch up this power play. Uh, a little bit before we hit the the postseason. Defense, obviously, I'd be giving Zemer a bunch of reps, um, and yeah, so we'll we'll see what this team's made of. Uh, see what Brett's made of. Uh, I don't, um, yep. you know, I it's it's really hard to to criticize uh, or judge really coaching because it's all ninety percent of it. It's like an iceberg. 90% of it goes unseen from the fan's perspective. From my perspective, the 10% that we can judge, surprised he didn't use his timeout on Saturday. Even the uh, announcers were like, I'm surprised he's not taking the timeout. I mean, as you said, St. Cloud was just just playing the kill the clock game, and you could tell they were running out of gas. You thought that sometime in that last five minutes, you would have uh, used your timeout to sort of regroup and, and get your guys fresh. Uh, and obviously that. Uh, wasn't used and I was I was kind of surprised because like when Pat said that at the time too, I was like I I didn't think that time would be a good time. And sure enough, they scored shortly after that, like drop of the puck and then it's in the back of the net. Um but yeah, sometime during the third when you realize that all your team is doing is just chipping and chasing and not playing to win, but instead playing not to lose, you got to do something to 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 change a little bit of your 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 tactics and whatnot. Um and you know, going back to Friday's game too. I mean, after any one of the bender goals, I think it would have been a perfect time to just stop and you know, try to regroup as best you can. And that, that one actually bothers me more than the Saturday one is like, you got to do something to stop the bleeding here, Brett, come on, do something. Um, I, but 
like you said, like I, I feel like the coaching is there, but I, because I feel like all these losses are just execution that you're just not executing. You're shooting yourself in the foot. You're taking terrible penalties. You're making bad decisions out there that are costing you these wins. And at, at you know, at that time, you can't really blame the coach on it. You got to blame the players for, for not stepping up. Right. So it's, that's what makes it frustrating is, yes, I, yeah. I will grit my teeth and say, yes, Duluth did play a good game. Yes. But for me, uh, this weekend, more than any, and, and a lot of times this, this year uh, with my frustrations with this team, it's that St. Cloud is beating themselves more so than the other yep. team is is outmanning them. I mean, you can't tell me that other than that third period on on Friday or on Saturday, St. Cloud had the better of them all game and thought that that sort of matched the the play between these two teams leading up to that other than the Friday game. Friday game was a disaster, like I said. One of the worst games that St. Cloud's played this year and Duluth did play well as you said. Um but uh but yeah, it's just it's the unforced errors and and the the lack of discipline and the 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 making the same mistakes time and time again. That's what makes it frustrating to watch. Uh and yep. I mean, if this lights a fire under them, I that's the other I don't see a red ass out of out of Larson. I don't see him being bag skate uh coach. And mm-hmm. maybe that's what this team kind of needs. Maybe not the red ass. You don't need to do the uh we called them Raider makers in Hastings. It's with the Hastings Raiders, but whatever the one where you, it's the bag skate where you, you're going back, back and forth to the boards and, until you're gassed. Uh, something sure. like that to kick, uh, kick him in the pants a little bit. And, and maybe that doesn't work. Man, it's old school and you can't do that anymore and, and whatnot. But, uh, you think that if if the coaches aren't going to do that, that's, that someone on the team is able to provide that spark? I'm just not sure who that is. Uh, and yeah, and that, that's the thing. and and from and, Deleuze you know, to ba- see Big Skate, I think is just your one your one chamber in the in the gun, and it can go one of two ways. That's right. Yeah, you can only uh, trash the the clubhouse once a year. You know, you can't do that. Yeah, uh, over and over, and and maybe he's already shot that bullet. You know, uh, maybe one of those other terrible games that we mentioned. Uh, there was the uh, maybe he he flipped over the buffet table. Maybe then, who knows? Uh, I don't. Again, I don't see that uh, out of Larson. Uh, I don't see that out of him. But yeah. uh, and from from Deleuze's perspective, I I I the I think it has to be like some coaching discipline or something because that team just. They're never like the best skilled team, but just they don't seem to make the mistakes. That was so so surprising about the Saturday game last week in Duluth, where they made that uncharacteristic turnover uh, to to lead to the second goal. They they don't make those kinds of mistakes, uh, but they certainly mm-hmm. don't take the, the terrible penalties, uh, and and they have that defensive discipline, and and then also just the fortitude to pull out games that that they're outplayed in or I mean they can win a lot of different ways and and so I think that is kind of the X factor when it comes to their especially their postseason success is is their I think they're coached very well and and Sandlin is Sandlin doesn't look like a very cheery guy. But maybe that's the secret is you know you don't want to be their friend. Um so I again th- these are things that we can only guess at from a distance, not being in the clubhouses yeah. or the locker room is uh 
you know, we're not privy to those sort of dynamics, but from watching the finished product on the ice, something is missing with this team. And I hope this will give them the motivation to step it up and and maybe losing out on that opportunity to go down to the X uh, will motivate them enough. We shall see, I suppose, but uh, I hope it does. I hope it does happen because even though I'm kind of down on the Huskies, I'm like I said, I'm still going to be watching that, you know, any and all tournament games and, and, and taking my heart uh, medication uh, uh, as I, as taking shots of Pepto-Bismol all the way through it. So uh, I'm there to the, to the very end. It's, you know, one little thing that I also want to bring up just for NCAA tournaments and, you know, obviously a little bit ahead of ourselves, whatnot, but again, we don't have a, <laughs> we don't, we, we don't have a game to recap or to preview here for this week. So the one thing that I, I think is going to be interesting to watch, you know, when we do play that game is is the refing is the penalties because this is it's going to be a new ref crew it's going to be someone you don't know you know it's going to be hockey east refs or whatnot so it it you know i'm kind of interested if it's you know maybe it's perception for cronella and or cronella and brodzinski that maybe the refs are a little bit our refs are a little bit quicker to give them the penalty but there's always some weird wonkiness that comes with refings in these tournament games. So, you know, maybe that's just my cross my fingers. Hope that Brodzinski isn't going to take a dumb penalty at a key moment of time in the NCAA tournament game. So I, I shouldn't bet on that though. Huh? Yeah. I mean, we should be able to, and that, that seems to be something that you can control. I mean, I said last week, there's, there's times to take a, a penalty, you know, if you're, impeding a, a, a grade a scoring chance or something like this, but it seems more often than not that the Brodzinski penalties in particular are of the unneeded sort and of the yeah. out of control sort of wild man uh, variety. And, and you'd think that those yeah, can, those cr- can be sort of disciplined out of your game. I'm surprised. And I, I guess I don't remember him being this reckless in years past. Uh, maybe I'm for maybe I have amnesia about that. I'm sure he's taking bad penalties in other years. I think but. he has. I think he has been, but I think it's just the timeliness of these ones are maybe a little bit more eye opening. Yeah. Um. So I I, I think that's what's kind of sticking out in my head, or, or you know, it's the time, and then they're able to capitalize on it. Cronulla's is usually retaliation penalties that he gets paid for. And that's, what's also really frustrating to me is you gotta, you gotta know that's what they're going to do to try to get you to, to whack a stick back at them. You, you gotta rise above that. And I, I feel like he just kind of falls for it every time. Well, I got, so, I mean, I got some data. Here's a uh, year by year yeah, by year. Bra- I, I think, I th- I think uh, we pulled up the same stats and uh, yeah, I'm happy I edit it because I'll go ahead and just uh, delete the last comment. Yes. First year, 17 penalty minutes. Second year, 26. Third year, 37. Fourth year, 46. These are all in full seasons, by the way. I mean, the 2021 season was he had 29 games, but shorter schedule and he was hurt for the Frozen Four. 
But then this year, 72 penalty minutes. That's almost double his previous high. Yeah. So, yeah, this year he's... Well, then it's both. It's the timeliness and it's more reckless. So we're both right, right? I I think we are, yeah. (laughs) I'll try to see. I'll I'll try to... Maybe a yeah, do some clever editing there. Right, exactly. So, I mean, he had the twelve penalty minutes against Minnesota State, so that doesn't help. Yeah, and some of these, yeah, the ten minutes, ten minutes against Denver. That's right. I thought he, I, I thought he took another ten. I thought he had another. I thought one of the one or no, no, the Minnesota, the Duluth guy had the ten minute uh, misconduct uh, last weekend. That's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, so two of two of those penalties are the 10 minute misconducts. So. So uh, let's, uh, you know, we're kind of got, you know, we're about an hour into this podcast or so, but um, frozen face off. I'll be there still sporting my Huskies gear. But um, yeah, just uh, quick thoughts. Um, you know, we got the uh, afternoon game, uh, Duluth against Denver, and then the uh, evening game is uh, Western Michigan against uh, North Dakota. What What are your thoughts? Where 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 do you see this tournament going? Well, just from your perspective, I'm curious on what you're doing on the day off, in between, because they're putting a they're putting a, a day in between the games, right? Oh, oh, that that the Moscow rule. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we're they they. That uh, that afternoon, that Minnesota just too much it of an is. advantage for 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 those uh, you know that four o'clock game versus that seven thirty game. That's the tricky turnaround. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, in in seriousness, I was not aware. So it sounds seems like COVID killed the third place game in the NCHC tournament. Uh, obviously, didn't did but, they did not but, play the play one last year up in Grand Forks? I don't think they did. And so not playing one this year uh, and sort of replacing that with an opportunity to go to the, the wild game, which is they're playing an afternoon game on Saturday. That's kind of an interesting uh, feature uh, this year. I I like that. I Were you a fan of third place games in either the final five or the frozen faceoff? I mean, yes and no. It's. Like in the grand scheme of things, not really. So and it it happy it kind of went the way that it did. Um, it was it's always nice to get an extra hockey game, even though you know it's a little. It usually not the was, best, and yeah, usually didn't matter that much. I think and, it only mattered to like one team if it mattered at all. Like uh, mm-hmm. we had mentioned, I think a few weeks ago about I think it was that first. That first first frozen faceoff where North Dakota needed to win the third place game over Western Michigan in order to get into the tournament, um, and I think there was maybe another one of those where a team needed to win. The other team e- either had been already eliminated from NCAA competition or had such a you know high seat. They were comfortably they were already locked into the tournament that and. So because of that, there wasn't ever an opportunity or there wasn't ever a situation where both teams needed to win that third place game, which means that would be a good game. Most most of the time it was either one team needed it and the other team didn't. And which in most cases meant it was just a route or it was that both teams 
didn't stand to win or lose anything from that third place game, which meant that, yeah, especially if you're going to go to the NCAA tournament, you really weren't going to play that hard or probably rest some guys even because you didn't want to risk any injury in a third place game. So I, I'm glad I, yeah, I, even when I went to the tournament, I don't even know if I went to the third place games. I went there a few years. I don't think I went to the third place games, even though they were, I had the ticket for it. So, so surprised to see that, but I think, I don't know, please. It's a good decision. Yeah. And uh, I just think that this year is weird because there is really not a ton on the line as far as NCAA positioning goes. You know, all four of these teams are locks to make the tournament. They're all going to be in the NCAA. So no one has to win it in order to gain the you know automatic qualifier, for instance. And really, I mean, there are some seeding jockeying possibilities uh, in play, Western Michigan or North Dakota. If they win the tournament, could move up to the to the number one seed uh, band. You know, Denver. The thing about that no third place game is you can't lose two games now. So Denver, yeah. for instance, if they lose to Duluth, that might they still might be a number one seed. Um, so I guess there is a possibility of, and maybe I don't know if you've run any of these in the simulation, but if there's possibility at two. NCAC teams as number one seeds. Not sure if that is possible, but I think it could be, especially if Minnesota loses to Michigan. Um, but so possibility of Dakota or Western Michigan getting a one seed and Duluth seems to have the most spread available as far as their potential seeds go. I mean, according to the matrix, they could finish anywhere from the fifth seed to the 11th seed. So as far as if there is a team that has the most to gain or to lose in the tournament, it is Duluth because they still could get into that second seed. Right now they're at nine, so they're a third seed. Um, but they still could move into the second seed band if they do win the tournament, or they could even slide a little bit even beneath St. Cloud uh, if they lose against Denver. Although that's probably... It's it's most likely that they're going to stick where they are at number nine. So not a ton. I just ran run right now when it had that has Western Michigan at three, Denver at four. OK, so there is that possibility so, to get two two number one seeds. It's, yeah, but it just it seems to me that there's there's not a ton of intrigue for this uh, for this tournament just because all the like I said, all these teams are, are already in. And um, not a ton to gain or to lose from any anyone's perspective. As far as a prediction, I like North Dakota. Well, I don't like North Dakota, but I like nobody. I like them. I like (laughs) nobody that nobody that listens to this podcast probably likes North Dakota. (laughs) Yeah, I I see them beating uh, Western Michigan. I see Denver beating Duluth, and I I'll I'll say Dakota beats Denver. but I, I, I mean, any of these teams winning, I, it would not shock me. I, Duluth might be might yeah, be my second pick that's... to win. So a- anyone could win, and that's that. That should be fun. Uh, I, I just hope it's good hockey. Like I said, because everyone is already in, and I'm just wondering if teams are gonna, you know, play it a little bit easy so they just they don't want to injure anybody before the NCAA's or anything like that. I don't see that being the case. I think they're all gonna give it their all, and uh, and want to get that hardware. But, 
what do you what do you think as far as if if you have a uh, a pick to win tournament? Um, I'm picking Denver. Um, I think they've been a juggernaut, and I I think I like them a little bit more than North Dakota. I'm still not sold on North Dakota, even as a non uh, as avid North Dakota hater. I still think that they're. I I just don't see them having that much of the firepower, you know, to keep up with Denver. But you know, this is if there's any team, I I I think it's the worst situation for Denver to play Minnesota Duluth, probably out of anybody they could have played, um, in, in the first because I think Minnesota Duluth is very comfortable in a in a game where they can slow slow everything down and. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do end up sneaking uh, by Denver. So it, because I would take Denver over North Dakota, I would take them over Western Michigan, I would take them over St. Cloud State. Um, so that's going to be kind of an, that's that's the one I'm really interested about how that's going to go. I do think North Dakota will take care of Western Michigan just with how poorly Western Michigan has played lately. Um, but I do think it's going to be Denver's tournament. All right. Well, we, we shall see the, uh, who does take uh, take trophy after or on Saturday night? I suppose, yeah. And what? Yeah, Western Michigan and North Dakota. Both of those teams are this kind of weird teams. Like North Dakota is, uh, you know, they two two to one wins over CC this weekend. Uh, not not exactly dazzling uh, against the Tigers. Um, and Western Michigan. I mean, they, they had to go. They were down. They had, uh, Omaha had leads in both of those games against Western yep. and, and Western had to go, had to tie it up late uh, on the Saturday game and then win in overtime in order to sweep that series, all sweeps uh, this weekend in the NCHC in the series, which I guess is a little surprising. I thought that Omaha had a good chance to extend that to three games. And certainly I didn't see, I didn't see a sweep either way with St. Cloud and Duluth, but certainly didn't Neither see did Duluth I. doing uh, being the, the sweeper and St. Cloud, the sweepy, but uh, I, Denver easily took uh, care of yeah, Miami. Yeah, not not much surprise there. So I guess in that case, all these teams will be on equal rest uh, coming into Friday. Uh, oh, so there's no no advantage uh, that uh, nobody had to play that that dreaded Sunday game before the Friday of the. Uh, well, I suppose uh, Denver and Duluth get a little less rest on Friday morning because they play the early game. But then they get yeah, the big advantage so. of the two hours extra of rest. Whoever wins that game going in the championship game, that's going to be that's that would like, all be negated if it was just a Thursday, Saturday tournament. This is going to be like Michigan, like uh, quitting or not you know, backing out against Western Michigan. This is a joke that's just never going to die. One of the. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like you said, again, to Moscow's credit, I guess credit. You, loosely is yeah he had been beating that drum at St. Cloud State too and he beats that drum all the time he can he used to always he was very much in his routine and everything has to be a certain way um before you know otherwise he'll kind of whine about that which I got into a little bit of a Twitter spat with Jess Myers about <laughs> eh, which was a little bit funny in my eyes so well, and again, we as I mentioned uh, last week, we got to give credit where credit's due because Barry Brad Barry has been saying, "Hey, I, that was my idea to do that." So we got to include our another stooge uh, in the blame game here. 
So be sure to let's be sure to incorporate some berry puns um, when we uh, when we mock the extra day off. Yeah, so Jess Myers tweeted out, not liking the first round playoff bye week, because he did say that he didn't like uh, the playoff bye week. He uh, said that it's clear that uh, Big Ten needs to add an eighth team. Wait, um, he is saying this or Bob Motzko is saying this? Bob Motzko. You're kidding me. So he was complaining that they got a bye week. Yeah, so that was Jess Myers quoting <laughs> Bob Motzko saying that he didn't like the first round bye uh-huh. And that it, they need to add an 18th because now it's too much rest. Wow. He's, just, he's got every on each end of that. He's covering all his bases. So I, I responded to him, uh, you know, quote, retweet, just, you know, sarcastic, uh, saying, first, it's not enough rest. Then it's too much rest. Can't make Motsko happy. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, that was it. So, yeah, so Jess Myers had a retort to that, um, subtweeting. So, from what I can glean from a few select whiners, Bob Motzko is in the wrong for wanting conditions to be optimal for his team to win. Perhaps that's why he's getting paid $600,000 plus to hang banners and you're not. That's, uh, that's rich. So, I quote retweeted that back and said putting aside the quote you're too poor to criticize argument that was kind of interesting that just kind of threw out there um i said i love how we are the whiners in this situation and not motsko like (laughs) so we're the select whiners but you know motsko stomping his feet crying because he has too much rest after not getting enough rest that's that's that just ridiculous if anyone's still curious as to why I'm not on Twitter anymore, there's uh, exhibit a <laughs> thousand twenty-two. Uh, it's anytime anybody says I'm not on Twitter, I'm like, yeah, that's probably for the best. Oh, <laughs> it, it would be. I'm actually kind of proud. Yeah, of you. yeah I am not. Uh, <laughs> so I would never say I don't like mandates or bans, but a hundred percent. If everyone got off Twitter, society would be way better. It should die a natural death. That's what uh, I'm saying. It should be killed. It should die a natural death. Just wither and die. Uh, but like I was really, you know, first off, I really don't like his you're too poor to criticize stance. Oh, it's a it's a ridiculous. This it's a ridiculous argument. Yeah. Um, but like I wanted to like there were so many things. It's like to hang banners. OK, Big Ten regular yeah, season championship I, I thought, banners. So so congratulations on that one. For your seven team conference that you have of upstarts. and didn't they they would, like the same people so, would make fun of St. Cloud and Motsko for doing like you know hanging a banner for going to a regional they would like mock St. Cloud for that now now they're uh, they're they're bragging about their their one NCAA win since he's taken over so anyway that was my little little spat there um I I realized. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot the Go Huskies Woo player of the weekend. So do you have anybody? <laughs> I'm going to be doing my, uh, I think I started this, the Western Michigan debacle uh, back in November. None of the above. 
Yeah, and I, I put I put you I, I put you a little bit to task over that none of the above, but Yeah, you didn't like it at the time. Yeah, this weekend. I didn't like it at the time. And now it's like I don't know who you put on. I guess I'm gonna put on Walker for finally getting a goal after what feels like two months of not scoring. So congratulations, I guess. But no one Go Huskies Woo also is like no one's deserving. So I think that's fitting. Uh, maybe, um, maybe I'll pick, uh, Nick Maxson. I'll give him the, the player of the weekend for chomping down, raising canes during, during the broadcast, just went right to it, had the little nod. There's a gif of it out there. It's, it's pretty funny. So staged or not, it was probably staged, but it was hilarious. And yeah, I don't know if I, I feel like I, I'm missing something there. Like I'm missing a, a running gag of some sort, but it was funny like like weird funny but yeah <laughs> it was it was weird funny a little bit of cringe and actually you know jim rich who again got you know overtime and <laughs> wrong but well that's just the norm now but i actually thought their jim rich and pat mcletty's banter was actually really clever and really funny so they for that the, they had, they for had, that little bit the yeah chicken. for that little bit Sometimes they're awkward, but I thought that was actually pretty funny. So, um, you know, for questions, actually, one of the questions was, I know, how many Motsko bits are we going to do? And actually, I was surprised we only did, what, three, four, <laughs> maybe? I don't know. So, um, one other question that we kind of got um, from uh, Carl, who's a listener of the show, he just said, any thoughts who might come back for an extra year of, amongst the seniors? So it's, you know, I'm not, all, you know, I'm not a hundred percent on how the rules go and I can think of, but you know, of any of the seniors that would be eligible for an extra year, you know, who in your mind would you want back? Mention. <laughs> kind yeah. Of- mentioned last week that, that Miller, uh, I think he's a good candidate to come back. There was a, uh, they did like a, uh, in between commercials or periods, maybe a little interview with Hentius. And he said something like, it's been a great four years here. I've loved my time, you know, cliche, cliche, cliche. And I'm like, he ain't coming back. Uh, no, he's the way he, the way he, I mean, I think it's, he's a guy that seems he could make that leap to pro hockey. Maybe not the NHL right away, but certainly the AHL. So I'm not going to hold it against him. But just the way he the way no, he said it, Hedges. Yeah, the way he said it, it almost like he has made his his mind up a while ago that he was not going to come back. So I don't see it from him. Um, I mean, as far as the rules go, if you played last year in 2020, 2020, 2021 season, that does not count in the NCAA's eyes. So. All of these seniors, unless, again, the fifth-year seniors, we can't count those, but Perbix could come back. I think that's the other sort of flight risk. Um, I would not be... No, he's... I would almost lean towards, yeah, that he's not going to come back. Walker? Uh, I... He hasn't been lighting it up, especially in the last half of the year here. I don't... I don't think he's pro-ready, but he might be a, a guy that thinks he is. So maybe on him, I would expect Miller to come back. 
Spencer Meyer, I would expect to come back. Let's uh, looking through the roster here. Bushy would probably expect him to come back. And it looks like that's it. The other seniors that are listed here are the fifth-year guys. Fitzgerald, obviously. Brodzinski, these guys are gone. Um, so, yeah, of the uh, of the guys that could come back, I'm pretty sure that Hentius is gone. Most likely Perbix. But I think the others, I'd, I'd have a... I, I would think more than half. I, I, I feel good about the prospects of, the, of their returning next year. Uh, we shall see, though. I mean, there's there's always guys that that tend to surprise me, uh, and I, I didn't think that um, I was surprised when. Um, now I'm forgetting his name, uh, Blake. He went to the Kings, um, from a couple of years ago. God, I just watched him in the Kings game. Oh, I can't. I think of his name. Um, this is driving me nuts. Can you help me out? Lazat. Uh, um, uh, Lazat. Uh, I was surprised that he, when he left, um, but he's become, uh, like I said, a regular with the Kings. He's not a huge point producer, but he's a great, he's a hard worker, and he's a, definitely a serviceable NHLer. So, I mean, some of these, yeah. For the, for the love of God, for some reason, I kept thinking of Winnecki. That's who I was. Yes, when I, that's who I was thinking. I'm like, no, it's not Winnecki. But I kept. I was. Maybe it was probably the Blake that we were tripping over. Um, but then, yeah, Lazat. So I was a little bit surprised when he when he went pro, but that turned out to be the right move. I think in, for his career, that turned out to be the so. Right, yeah. yeah, I mean, some of these guys I might be way off on, especially because he was he was small. Yeah, too. well, yeah, I mean, that was the other thing. So, yeah, and I might be wrong about some of the guys I'm thinking about coming back this year or for next year. I mean, I could be way off on on some of those as far as whether or not they get pro opportunities or or whatnot. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting how it all shakes out. And as we mentioned last week, how how active are they going to be in the transfer portal and also from from their end? Um, you know, any one of these guys can take a free transfer. That's the other thing about the transfer thing. Now you do not have to sit out a year. This is for all NCAA sports. So we see this I mean, big thing right now in college football, basketball as well. I mean, they're all taking advantage of this opportunity to take a free transfer and not have to sit out a year. So, I mean, there was a guy, I mean, just looking in the lineup here, you know, if, if a guy like uh Zemer, for instance, if he's a guy that looks at the depth chart next year and he's not, he's going to be in the same position that he was this year where, you know, he played in 12 games and at least I think you were more of a fan of him than, than I was, but I, I certainly, he looked fine to me. If he's a guy that looks at the depth chart next year and is not seeing minutes, you know, he might be looking at that transfer portal and Hey, I can, I can be a, top four defensemen in the CCHA for somebody, you know, I'm that's, that's better uh, for my career prospects of, uh, you know, whatever they they may be. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, you could lose guys uh, on that end too. So, uh, and, and that doesn't though, that's not limited to just the seniors uh, for next year. Like I said, anybody can, can make that uh, switch now. So, so yeah, it's it's the uh, wild west again, and and coaches and players are, are they're both sort of getting used to this, and it, it'll be interesting to see what the impacts are when the dust settles. Yep, yep, exactly. So, 
but we have a we have a frozen four run first. Yeah, uh, you know, with it with this squad, right? That's that's the hope. So, um, yeah. Anything else? I actually, I, I actually got here? our first email. Uh, Whoa! All right, you'll laugh. Guess who it was from? D- Dan, Dan Jacobson, of course. Uh, and <laughs> he was really on on my bumper here about the Bo Burnham special. Uh, ah. and wanted to follow up if I had the chance <laughs> to do the homework that Weldy assigned to me. Did you watch? That's true. Did you watch the latest Bo Burnham special? I did. I gave it a shot. I have to. Whoa. I have to say, I gave up. Gave it a shot. I gave up after a half hour. It just wasn't for me. I'm not. It's not even something that I hated. Uh, I just. It, I wasn't laughing. I didn't find it funny, and so I. Uh, I gave it up. Part of the reason I think is, I didn't realize he ha- has. He always had a beard. Again. Not very familiar no. with with him, but the what I had, what I thought he was, was unbearded. And but with Correct. with the beard though, he has this striking resemblance to a former acquaintance, someone that I used to work with, who I really don't like. And that sort of made me rem- it reminded me of this person, and that threw me off. And I never really shook that. So I think that really it's I I would like to give him another opportunity at some point. This one just wasn't quite for me. But I appreciate the uh, the recommendation. And like I said, I'd like to try if you have another special of his. I'm not I'm not blanketly opposed to comedy music. So. If there is another special of his that I could dig up, if you have another recommendation. And and, and I do think that I watched another movie recently called Kimmy. It was just released, and it's a Steven Soderbergh film that is set in the pandemic. It it has a big, uh, it's part of the plot. And that movie I liked, I didn't love Kimmy, but I liked it. But I also felt in the same sense as this, it's, I think it's going to age very quickly because it's so of the moment of the pandemic. And as a knock on wood, we're kind of getting on the other side of that. I do think that that's going to look like in five years, it's going to look pretty strange. And so, and that's, that's kind of, I think uh, that's a risk of creative things. I do this when I, I'm putting together puzzles, as far as I mentioned, I think a few months ago, that I put Salt Bay in a crossword puzzle. Now, that guy didn't even have 15 minutes of fame. He had like 15 seconds of fame. Maybe milliseconds of fame. I think he's got a restaurant and... Well, his viralness, the, the viral <laughs> aspect of him going, you know, getting hot was a millisecond in the grand scheme of history. And so it's like that doesn't have much shelf life, uh, even a few year months even after that would have come. And same thing here, I think it's... It, it's more a, I think it's more valuable as a record of, of a specific time. Uh, and maybe I'm just, I just don't really like thinking about overthinking about the pandemic. It, it, I had some, and from the sense, like I, I kept watching, even though I wasn't really laughing, I did keep watching to the extent that I did, because I did sort of um, sympathize with what, you know, sort of the mental breaks that he was 
apparently having because yeah, for a few months there, it was, it was kind of, it was a tough, uh, adjustment to everything. So maybe it just hit a little too close for me, but in the main sense, I just, I didn't like, I didn't buy into the, I wasn't laughing and I wasn't like, it wasn't that I wasn't in a good mood. Cause after that, then I switched it on to some uh, news radio episodes and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. So <laughs> I was in the mood to laugh. I just didn't quite do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about inside too, is that it's, It it could hit on different levels. And yeah, if it's, you know, listening to like white women's Instagram, in one sense, it's like, haha, making fun of that culture. In the other sense, it's like, wait a minute, this, you know, there there's a whole issue with the social media mentality of, you know, of how that gets into your psyche and whatnot. Well, that's all, that's um, another reason well, of, I think that I struggled with it because it seemed, and how I say it, it wasn't necessarily for me because there was a lot of that social media. It, it was seemed very online or whatever, they, extremely yes, online. That's true. And as we just mentioned about my love of Twitter, it's just not me. And so like, I, I don't, I know of Instagram. I've never been on it. I can probably vaguely understand what the white women on Instagram bit is. It just, it, it didn't speak to me because it's, just not a culture that I'm really up on. So I can see that that was a part of the, the disconnect is that it seemed like it was, if you're, yeah, if you're on Instagram or if you're on social media a lot, then it would probably have hit you a lot more, you know, more than it did me. But that's why I said I, it, it wasn't like offensive or anything. It's like, this is terrible. It just, it felt like it was uh, speaking to a different crowd than me, which is fine. I got you. And I, and I love that, you know, he did everything all by that. Himself. It was the impressive editing, from the that lighting. Yeah. The... No, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, thank you for the email. Yes. And please. Yeah. I was shocked that we received an email, but I was uh, quite delighted. What's, uh, by what's that email again? That is Huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com. Please uh, don't don't be scared to send me an email. I'll send you one back. Sounds good. Well, that about does it. Um, in this uh, this raucous episode where we were all sunshine and roses oh. when it comes to husky hockey, ducky and bunny. <laughs> so, yeah, every I'm pretty sure uh, everybody uh, is is feeling the same way. Uh, so, um, uh, until next time, uh, go Huskies! Woo! Woo!